Exactly. So. Who the devil are you? Don't panic. Just come up with a good story. My name is Mr. Burns. Excellent. Oh, I'm going to sneeze. Ooh. Oh, my God. Worst timing ever. Oh, that's right. Now it's gone. I have a theory that if you feel like you're going to sneeze and then you say, I'm going to sneeze, the sneeze gets scared and runs away, which um, if we really want to get into this theory a bit more, there's a bit in the Matrix where they're hiding in the wall and they're hiding from the from Agent Smith. I think his name is Cypher. Um, yeah, he's like trying to hold back a sneeze. All he needed to do was just gently whisper to himself, sneeze, and it would have gone away. Um Anyway, hi, guys, welcome. My name is Perry, and this is the Hello, Mr. Burns podcast, a Simpsons research podcast to help you win pub trivia and um, apparently hide from Agent Smith in the wall. So the episode we'll be covering today is season two, episode nine, Bart gets hit by a car. So in this episode, Bart is run over by a car driven by Mr. Burns. They decide to launch a lawsuit against Mr. Burns. Both the Simpsons and the Burns elaborate on the true story which leads to a strain on Homer and Marge's marriage. So although this episode is quite literally titled Bart Gets Hit by a Car, it focuses more on Homer and Marge's marriage, which we're going to talk about later because I found that a bit weird. This is also one of the most heavily edited episodes in Simpsons history. The full opening sequence is replaced with the shorter opening that they use um, time and time again, like for season five's Rosebud. And it's said that there are 17 cutscenes, none of which are over nine seconds long. That's a lot of editing. Now, Bart, I want you to tell the jury in your own words exactly what happened on the day of the accident. Yes, sir. It was a beautiful Sunday afternoon. I was playing in my wholesome childlike way, little realizing that I was about to be struck down by the luxury car of death. Anyway, so today we're going to talk about uh, the plot line for this episode, where it comes from, and we'll briefly touch on the Rashomon effect. I also just want to talk about how weird the third act of this episode is. I don't know. It's like they just kind of squished in an emotional ending and it doesn't quite gel. Yeah, we'll get to that. Also wanted to talk about the um, where we get Dr. Nick Riviera from, that character, and how underrated Lunch Lady Doris is. There's very little meat in these gym mats. Lastly, we're going to talk about a weird trippy painting from the 1500s um, called The Garden of Earthly Delights. All right, so let's jump into an episode synopsis. If you wanted to jump ahead and get right into the good stuff, have a look at the chapters. While out riding his skateboard one day, Bart is knocked down by Mr. Burns driving in his car. I, uh, I think the boy's hurt. Oh, for crying out loud! Just give him a nickel and let's get going. Uh, I think we should call an ambulance, sir. After a brief trip to heaven and a slightly less brief trip to hell, Bart falls back down to earth and regains consciousness in the hospital. He wakes up and tells Marge and Homer that the devil has told him to be rebellious and listen to heavy metal music. So Bart wakes up in the hospital bed with Homer, Marge, and a strange man hovering over him. The strange man introduces himself as Lionel Hutz, And hands Homer a card and tells him if he wants to make a lot of money, give him a call. Which kind of sounds a bit seedy now that I've said that out loud. But anyway, acting on his lawyer's advice, Burns decides to offer Homer money to ensure that he does not take legal action against him. But he only offers Homer $100 and Homer, furious and outraged, decides to call Lionel Hutz. After finding out that Homer's going to sue him, Burns becomes furious and decides to fire him. Amongst all of this chaos, 
Smithers quietly reminds him that it might not be good for PR to fire a man whose son you just knocked down with a car. Burns has no choice but to either settle the lawsuit outside of court or to talk the Simpsons out of it. So Lionel Hutz tells Homer that if he does exactly what he says and follows the script to a T, he'll get a settlement for $1 million. It is worth noting, though, that uh, Lionel Hutz has on his card that he takes 50% payment, so um, it's only 500000 But anyway, so in order to win the case, Lionel Hutz decides to employ the testimony of a shady doctor, Dr. Nick Riviera. Bad news! Your son is a very sick boy! So using uh, Dr. Nick Riviera's testimony in court, the civil jury is more than accepting of the fabricated story. In a last-ditch effort to try and get them to drop the lawsuit, Mr. Burns invites Homer and Marge to his home. He offers them 500k to settle the case. Mr. Burns, are you trying to get me drunk? Yes. And then he's kind of like, I'll leave the room and let you guys discuss it. Burns does the sneaky, sneaky thing that you see in cartoons where he has like a giant painting and he pokes the eye holes out. And um, he's eavesdropping on Marge and Homer. He overhears Marge saying that she feels guilty that they've been lying and like exaggerating and asks Homer to drop the case. She said that she'd pretty much be happy with Mr. Burns paying for Bart's medical bills and just an apology. But Homer is like, no, 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 we're going to hold out for the full million. Upon hearing this, Mr. Burns kind of bursts back into the room and is like, okay, bye, got to see you. And of course, as always, finishes up with this. Do you know what I'd settle for if it was up to me? Bart's medical bills and an apology. And you won't even get that. Sorry, offer's expired. I guess we'll just have to let the jury decide. Twelve good men and true. Good day, Smithers, release the hounds. In the court the next day, Burns' lawyer decides to call one Marge Simpson to the stand. He reminds her that she's under oath and um, Marge, unfortunately, does what Marge does and she tells the truth. And he mispronounced words that even I know, like abdomen. That night at dinner, the entire family is disappointed that they lost the money. And we hear this great, like, inner monologue that's happening with Homer. My wife cost me a million dollars. Homer, would you like some more macaroni and cheese? Yeah, a million dollars worth your treacherous snake woman. Oh, thank you. Some string beans? No, I don't want any string beans either. You're two-timing, backstabbing. Uh-oh, better answer. Oh, thank you. He's really upset, so he decides to leave and go to Moe's. Marge follows him to Moe's tavern to apologize, and he says he's lost his chance to make anything of his life, and then he's worried that he no longer loves her. Marge, shocked at this, says this to him. Look at me. All right, all right. Look at her if it'll shut her up. Start with the feet. Still angry. Good. Good, Homer, good. This is tough. Need refreshment. Oh, good old trustworthy beer. My love for you will never die. All right, all right. Gotta look at the wife straight in the eyes and tell her. Oh, who am I kidding? I love you more than ever. The end. All right, quotables of notable. Um, I love this bit when Lionel Hutz gives the family the card. Hutz is the name, Mr. Simpson. Lionel Hutz, attorney at law. Here's my card. It turns into a sponge when you put it in water. So this episode was based off Billy Wilder's 1966 film called The Fortune Cookie, in which the lead character plays a dishonest lawyer who convinces Jack Lemmon's character to fake an injury for a large cash settlement. So in the plotline, you've got the TV cameraman, Harry Hinkle, which is a fantastic name. I feel like whenever I hear about all these old timey names, I'm like, we need to bring it back. Anyway, so Harry Hinkle is injured while filming a football game. So seeing an opportunity for big, easy money, his unscrupulous ambulance chasing lawyer brother-in-law enters the picture. 
It gets Harry to overstate his injuries and claim $1 million in pain and suffering. Harry's like-minded ex-wife suddenly reappears and tries to rekindle their relationship. And meanwhile, the football player who hit Harry is really struggling to deal with the outcome of his actions. In fact, I thought it was really fun. The tagline for this film is, in all capitals, some people will do anything for money. Uh, please allow me to introduce myself. I'm the devil. Um, as I always prattle on about with this kind of plotline, I thought it was great. You know, the conflicting storylines coming from Mr. Burns and Bart. It's very Rashomon if you haven't like have a Wikipedia of Rashomon. So if you don't know about the Rashomon effect, it is a uh, reference to a 1922 short story that was called In a Grove or In a Bamboo Grove. And basically the story centers around the violent death of a young samurai whose body has been found in a bamboo forest near Kyoto. So the story follows a series of testimonies by passerbys, a policeman, a relative, and then the three main protagonists. So you have the samurai himself speaking from beyond the grave, his wife, and the bandit. So every single person's uh, testimony is conflicting, which is really interesting. So it's kind of up to the reader to decide who they think is the most credible. Yeah, I think it's one of those things I really love thinking about. Um, I did read that in Japan, it's become like an idiom to signify a situation where everyone has completely different views or statements and the truth is hidden. Throw him out, Smithers! You don't have to do that, Mr. Burns. I can throw myself out. Sorry, we'll go back to the episode. Um, Because what I found interesting was that the episode is kind of cut up into three parts. So you have the accident and the court case in the middle, um, resolving the court case and Marge going on the stand. And then the third act of this episode is a little bit out of place. Um, Although this episode was written by John Schwartzwelder, um, a lot of the ending was pitched by executive producer James L. Brooks. Brooks said that he loved the episode, but he thought it needed to have a more emotional ending. So the entire third act of the episode was reworked so voiceovers could be added and this could be done. Yeah, just personally, I'm not sure I really gel with the whole idea of like Marge questioning their relationship. It feels a little bit rushed. The episode is technically about Bart, right? And his accident. But yeah, it all of a sudden like switches in the last bit to... Marge dealing with whether or not you, you know, you can forgive someone. And it's just like a really interesting dynamic. And I also think it's just very out of place. Yeah. I'm just not sure if it really works. Like having, having this rushed argument and this rushed resolution. All right. So let's talk about uh, Dr. Nick Riviera, who is voiced by Hank Azaria. And this smudge here that looks like my fingerprint? No, that's trauma. I'd have to say Dr. Nick is one of those characters that a lot of people who don't religiously watch The Simpsons, they kind of know what you're referencing when you're like, hi, everybody. Um, That was my attempt at Dr. Nick Riviera's voice. Um, Interestingly, so Hank Azaria does uh, Nick Riviera's voice, and he said he used a bad Ricky Ricardo impression to do it. So that was his goal when he was voicing this character. However, the animators decided to model Dr. Nick after the then supervising director, Gabor Chupo, because they thought that that was Hank Azaria impersonating him and making fun of him. So, of course, Mr. Gabor Chupo, um, we discussed in season one. So Klasky Chupo were the original team that headed up The Simpsons and everything. He's got a pretty impressive resume. He did Rugrats. He did Wild Thornberries. And he even directed Bridge to Terabithia. And in case you were wondering whether or not Hank Azaria was impersonating him, this is his voice, and it's pretty damn spot on. 
the way we approached this, that we wanted to put something on the screen which we felt that these kids would create, so we digged into their souls and... Very exciting. So the show's script supervisor at the time, Doris Grau, appears in the show for the first time. So she was used because she has a very unique voice. And you might not recognize her voice in this episode, but she is famously the voice of Lunch Lady Doris. Yay! So, of course, Lunch Lady Doris was only in The Simpsons up until, you know, when Doris Grau, the voice actor, passed away in 1995. How insane is that? And do you know who she is the mother of? She is the mother of the squeaky voice teen, Jeremy Friedman. So apparently this kid is the love child of Groundskeeper Willie and Lunch Lady Doris, and it's just the most exciting thing in the world. Lunch Lady Doris, have you got any grease? Yes, yes we do. Then grease me up, woman! Okie dokie. So apart from voicing Lunch Lady Doris, she also did a, a waitress in Like Father, Like Clown. And the voice of Luraline Lumpkin in Marge versus the Monorail. All right, so for this final part, um, I'm going to apologize up top because there's a lot of words here that I've never heard said out loud, but I've read. So I might be completely off in my pronunciation, but you know what? You didn't come to this podcast for a pronunciation party. And if you did, uh, what a weird place to come, all right? So when Bart is kind of dying and having an out-of-body experience, there's that fantastic moment where he's going up the escalator. Um, And you do see, I love it, you see Snowball 1, the ghost of Snowball 1 sitting on a cloud. And then um, the Simpsons' ancestors, which is just a man throttling a child, which is great. So when Bart does go to hell, there's like a parody of Hieronymus Bosch's hell, um, as depicted in The Garden of Earthly Delights. You also see Michelangelo's David making a cameo in the background, which is a throwback to the last episode. So the Garden of Earthly Delights I actually found really interesting because it's a um, uh, it's a triptych oil painting on oak panel. And it was painted by a man from the Netherlands named Hieronymus Bosch. How does a nice little girl like you know a big word like that? So that was painted somewhere between 1490 and 1510. So this guy, this guy is actually quite interesting. I didn't realize he was such an enigma. To this day, experts are still in kind of like an argument about what this painting is actually about. You can look it up. It's it's quite trippy. It's very, um, it's quite a trippy painting. It's so a triptych is a painting that's spread across three panels and you close it like doors. The actual name of it, um, Garden of Earthly Delights, kind of triggers memories in me for like the bit in The Simpsons where they're singing to In the Garden of Eden. And then also um, where Cartman reads Women Who Run With the Wolves. And he says that his name is Goddess of Earthly Delights. So anyway, back to this painting. Each of the three panels presents distinct yet linked themes. It is said that triptychs from this period were supposed to be read from left to right. So you can kind of get an idea that it's it's that kind of a narrative. So flowing from left to right, it's thought that they represent the Garden of Eden. In the middle is the Garden of Earthly Delights. And then on the right is Hell. Um, and that panel of hell is what we see in The Simpsons. It's thought that God appears as the creator of humanity on the left wing, while the consequence of humanity's failure to follow his will is shown on the right. Um, go ahead and Google this panel and just kind of have a look at all the, it, it's like a where's Wally for weird things. Like the more you look, the weirder it gets. Like in the center panel, there's like a weird hot tub and there's a girl sitting there holding up an apple with a peacock in her hair. And then there's like a couple of other naked girls just hanging out in the hot tub with her. Yeah, there's like some really weird stuff. There's even, there's a a man who's carrying a giant oyster shell or a mussel shell with just like two people having sex inside it. And then on top of it, there's a dead bird. I don't know. 
And on that, guys, we come to the end of the episode. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you, God? Mm. Yes, I do. She sounded like she was taking that awful seriously. Oh, the truth. So, guys, I've got a special treat for the next episode. Yay. So, for the next episode, I've got a brand new guest who will be joining me. It's for the episode One Fish, Two Fish, Blowfish, Bluefish. And the guest I'll be having on is a very, very funny, very wonderful comedian. You might recognize him from his special on Comedy Central. His name is Mr. Garen Chu. And he happens to be the husband of my very best friend. So there you go. Um, Actually, when I asked him if he wanted to be a guest on this show straight away, he was like, I want to do this episode. Anyway, guys, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're living well. I hope you're watching enough cartoons to make your brain a little bit spongy and a little bit more malleable. Um, It's good for you. Don't think too much because thinking gives you wrinkles. Yeah. Awesome. All right. All right. All right. Until next week. And so concludes our tale. Good night. And keep watching the skis. Uh, skies.